0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, you can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask if you would please subscribe to the program. You can also find us streaming on Facebook, on the Chatterbox Sports page, flip the notification switch on if you'd prefer to join us in podcast form. By all means, just search up Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you are dialed in. We okay over there, fellas? Yeah. Good morning. Trace, Paul. Hello. How are you? Okay today? I think yeah, so. I mean, I mean, I get back in the studio I mean, and all of so. a sudden, you know, stuff's going south and Casey's sick. Well, if we're being honest, uh, there we go. Uh,
1: Casey has a trigger. I guess I told you I was going to make your uh, hot, your, your, your mic
0: hot. That's all we need. Another hot Start, mic. the deal,
1: so here's. The There's thing. nothing better what in he, the world. Had, <laughs> nothing
2: better than that.
1: What he has is a trigger that if you put your audio on right before and as soon as you put your program, your face on the screen, it'll automatically reverse what you did. So just trying to figure out exactly what Casey's methods are.
0: All right. Well, we, we certainly hope that uh, Casey is feeling a little bit better uh, and we have lots to talk about. Look, before we go any further, we'd like to send out our prayers. I know all of you feel the same to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, Nothing in the sports world, nothing in the sports world is more important than him and his recovery right now. We might not agree on much in this country right now, but we all agree on that. Last night, apparently, we received some good news. Uh, His uncle was quoted as saying that DeMar originally needed 100% of his oxygen via a ventilator that's now down to 50 percent there have been further reports this morning that things are getting better he does still remain hospitalized in critical condition after suffering that cardiac arrest on the field monday night in the game against the bengals and so we continue to think about him and pray for him and his family now look we can try and talk about more than one topic on the show today we're going to try to give it a go it's not being cold or callous i mean trace you said it best yesterday Uh, We're not going to sit around and speculate about his condition. You know, what did one person see from the first deck or the second deck or the upper deck? All that is speculation. The only people who know anything and everything for sure are his doctors and his family, period. A very heartwarming part of this story is Hamlin's charity. Apparently, he had a goal when he got into the NFL and left the University of Pittsburgh to give— Toys to needy children. His goal was to reach $2,500. That has now reached almost $6 million. Americans and their generosity continue to be indescribable. And there can be many, many good things that can come about from this tragic incident. Shifting gears now for a second to the NFL. Uh, This nonsense release yesterday as to what it's going to do about this game. The league said it won't be resumed this week. Now, is that a joke? And I'm being serious about this. The last time I checked, everybody in the NFL has a game this week. The Bengals play on Sunday Sunday against the baltimore ravens that could be it is not could be it is for the afc north title but there's this thing about you know being a game short right now and how the league's going to determine that and they've not determined yet what's going to happen they haven't decided yet about seeding and all of that kind of thing and you certainly understand it yesterday was a day i think everybody just said we're not getting into any of this stuff i would expect we start to hear more about this today the Bills are playing New England in Buffalo at 1 o'clock this Sunday. And, again, the Bengals will host the Ravens. A start time has not been announced. If we hear anything during the show, we will certainly let you know. Now, one thing you guys did talk about was the possibility, right, of the league saying – as let me back up. We know there are two weeks between the end of the championship games in the AFC and the NFC and then the Super Bowl. They've had years where they only had one week. So conceivably, Paul, you and Trace and others were talking yesterday about? Yeah, we were sitting
3: here thinking yesterday, what could the NFL do about this? How could they go about it? And I suggested, well, what if they just bang the Pro Bowl week and you move the whole season back one week and they just don't have that bye week in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl? Then it would all work itself out. That would be assuming that the Bengals and the Bills would still be able to actually finish this game and play this game. but. I think the way that this game gets resolved, too, you can't call it a tie because the Bengals were winning the game yep. seven to three. You can't call this a tie. Maybe you call this a no contest, which in effect would be the same thing, really, for the record. A no contest or a tie would give the Bengals the North and it would lock them into the three seed, which means none of the Bengals starters would have to play on Sunday. And really, in effect, that would give the Bengals two extra weeks or two. Really two bye weeks. I mean, I know they played seven or eight minutes in this game, but really you're getting two bye weeks out of this because of the game on Monday and then you wouldn't have to play on Sunday. You wouldn't have to play any of your starters. And then, you know, you go into week one of the playoffs, if you're the third seed, and the Ravens – that would mean the Ravens would come to Cincinnati there in week one. So, in effect, you're basically just doing the same thing that you would have played – this week, or just doing that in the next week in the first round of the postseason. So, the the team that gets screwed over the most in this is Buffalo because if you call it a no contest, then the Chiefs get the one seed in the postseason, and that's it's not Buffalo's fault. I mean, just they couldn't play the game, but they would get the one seed in the postseason assuming they win on Saturday. The Chiefs would get the buy and the overall number one seed and the bills wouldn't have anything to say or, or or I can promise you this
0: right now, knowing the circumstances we are in, and I've read, this has already been suggested by some in Kansas city that if that scenario plays out, that the chiefs organization and knowing the hunt family, I would bet the ranch. I would bet the ranch. They would concede the number one seed in the playoffs. You think so? I do, because they lost head-to-head against Buffalo this year.
3: Yeah, that's what I mean. The Chiefs lost to both the Bengals and the Bills, who were both in contention for that. Well, you can't can't throw
0: them in with – you can't throw the Chiefs in with the Bengals because the Chiefs have lost three and the Bengals have lost four. So you take the Bengals off the map. They're going to be the three no matter what. But when it comes to the number one seed and knowing the circumstances we are in right now and the situation with DeMar Hamlin, uh, there is no way in good conscience – there's no way that Kansas City could claim the number one seed on this thing. They, 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 and if they did, they should be hammered from coast to coast. But knowing the, 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 the Hunt family that owns that franchise, and I've been around those guys and met those guys, they are top shelf all the way. First class family. The, the, the AFC Championship trophy is named after their family. Lamar Hunt, who started the Chiefs. I got to believe they would concede the number one seed. Buffalo would have it and you move on from there. All right, some other topics, and we're going to talk a lot more about this moving forward. Panthers owner David Tepper apparently had a conversation with Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh about the opening in Carolina that will come at the end of this season. Now, the interim, Steve Wilks has done a marvelous job since taking over for Matt Rule after the Panthers began the season at 1-4, and four, and Wilks is considered a strong candidate for the full-time gig. Those close to Harbaugh say he is very interested in this Carolina vacancy. In college basketball, UC plays tomorrow night. Xavier doesn't play until Saturday. Did you see what happened last night in Austin, Texas? Kansas State beat number six Texas 116-103. to 103. The team set the record for most points combined in regulation of a Big 12 conference game. 219 points, smashing the previous total of 199. And Kansas State also set a record. Now, there's a lot going on here and about what I'm about to say. But they set a record for most points ever by an unranked team on the road against a top 10 team since the Associated Press era began. That goes back to 1948. If you love college basketball, the Big 12 is the place to be. I mean,
3: Tom, there's a legitimate chance that the entire Big 12 gets into the NCAA tournament. <laughs> you I'll, think? There is a legitimate – there is a real world. I, I think things will balance out. And maybe they get seven or eight of the ten teams in. But there is a realistic scenario where all ten teams get in. Uh, Oklahoma probably is on the outside looking in. They're at nine and four right now. They didn't have a great non-conference season. But, I mean, they're 30th in Kempom. The lowest-ranked team, Tom, is – 40th the lowest ranked team in the big 12 right now is iowa state and they are 40th that is just insane The i don't think all 10 teams will end up getting into march uh i mean tracy they're, you're, gonna, they're gonna start Kansas beating fans, each other but, up no. but but if you look at, at the strength of schedule in all college basketball if you just look at every strength of schedule the top 10 hardest schedules in the entire country the rest of the way one through 10 are the entire big 12
0: you gotta be kidding yeah
1: Yeah, when you play against each other, obviously that's where the strength of schedule is going to kind of come into play. But the biggest thing I would say with the Big 12, with UC entering it, is that the transfer portal has completely changed college basketball and the Big 12 specifically. Because players that used to be incredible players at a D2 level or even a mid-major level, if you're, you know, if you're a, I want to say an an all-American at Miami you know, right up the road. Well, I mean, Ohio university Ohio had two Ohio great or players or, last year, and right. they
0: both plug in an extra year somewhere else now too.
1: So that's what you're getting now is you're getting a lot of great players that traditionally would have never gotten to a power five conference going straight to a power five conference. So you're going to see the big dogs get better. And unfortunately it stinks. I don't know how you fix that for the mid majors. It's impossible to a certain extent, but best of luck to them. You your uh, your, your you dad looks, your there. dad looks primed and ready. And I am not smart enough to be able to talk to him because I am not, Casey McAllister, but we're going to bring him in. We're gonna bring you him. ready to bring him in?
0: All right, we're bringing in Marty Brenneman, um, and we're going to start on a very serious note. First of all, Dad, happy New Year. Nice to see you. Wait. Hang on, There with us. Are you there, Dad? No? Oh. Not, no? I don't hear him. What about now? Really? There, no, no, hey, no, you no, you. We, got we, we got you now. We can hear we got you. You, Marty. you. You can play. put your phone it's back,
1: all, It's on me, Marty. It's on me. All right,
0: there we go. Okay. Happy New Year. How you
4: doing? Same to you guys. I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking.
0: You were in the broadcast booth uh, when John McSherry on opening day of 1996, seven pitches into the game. He all of a sudden looks out at the second base umpire, starts to walk towards the Reds dugout, cardiac arrest, and drops dead right on the field. You're one of the few people that uh, uh, has ever been behind the microphone in such a moment. Now, obviously that's not the case right now with DeMar Hamlin. I can't imagine there's anything, uh, I don't even know, Dad, you tell me, any words to describe what it's like to try and have to sit there and and, and talk about something that you know is really, really bad?
4: Well, The first thing that came to mind when I was watching that tragedy on the field uh, on Monday night was that the, and then the ensuing conversation uh, that went on when everybody realized that it was more than just a, a quote unquote normal injury when the EMT started providing CPR and, and, and the whole nine yards was and I could tell and I could empathize with Joe Buck. I thought Joe Buck did a wonderful job under the circumstances because I've been there. I know how it is. It's the only time in my career where I've ever had to measure every word that came out of my mouth before I said it. Because I knew, and I don't know how I knew, but I knew when John went down, it was more than just a, a circumstance that will have a happy ending. I, I, I intuitively knew that. So you have to be careful what you say. Um, and, and while all the while you're stunned because you've never been in that position before, you've never seen that type of thing happen before. And and so I, I every time that Joe and you know, they constantly went to breaks, and I understand why they yep, went to breaks. Yep, yep. They had nothing to say that was good. And rather than, than say something that could be misconstrued or something that came out that you'd want to pull back as soon as you said it, they, they had the safety net of going to a commercial break. And I understood all that. Um, it, it's just a terrible, terrible situation. And, and you and I know, both know this, Tom, and I think this is broadcasting 101. I learned it when I was in Salisbury, North Carolina back in the 60s uh, before I moved on. Uh, if there's an injury on the field, you never speculate on what that injury is because you may have a mom, a dad, a, a husband, a wife, a, a, a you know, children, whatever the case might be, listening to your broadcast. And you don't want to, you may have a feeling, and I did as far as McSherry was concerned, but you don't want to comment about what you think is wrong because you don't know. And in those situations, it just can create terrible heartache and terrible concern that, that may be baseless or it, it, it may be something that you commented on that you turned out to be correct on. Um, and we all learned that early. But um, I, I, uh, I sat there and I, I rooted for Joe to, to get through it because I know he was affected like all of us were. He had to carry the load on that thing. And and then later on, they brought Troy Aikman in and he made comments. But um, it it was just something that uh, hopefully if we live to be a thousand years old, we never have to be confronted by again.
0: You know, in this day and age, back in then in 1996, um, you know, you didn't have all the social media uh, and all that kind of thing that we have now. You don't have the talking heads constantly. You didn't have them constantly like they are now. I, I got to tell you, uh, Dad, you know, and I wasn't aware of it until this morning um, and sitting here talking to Brandon and Trace and Paul about, I don't know if you saw some of the comments made by Bart Scott, former outstanding player uh in the national football league and now is a talking head on espn and made some comment yesterday blaming t higgins saying he lowered his head into the chest of this guy i mean i just found out we ought to be fired well i mean, yeah, I, mean I, be fire. I i just can't imagine um i can't imagine how t higgins must feel through all of this his mom has been extremely active Uh, on social media and sending out prayers uh, for the Hamlin family and everybody involved. Uh, I can't imagine how he feels. And now when you have some guy who played the same game he played to turn around and come out and throw it out there, right, where it's out there now. I mean, he's already said it. I know about saying something, and it's out there, and it's going to be out there forever. But to put T. Higgins in that kind of situation to say that is just unfathomable. Well,
4: it's completely irresponsible is what it is. And I think it's a prime example of hiring people in the broadcast industry today who are not prepared to be in a position like Mark Scott is in, uh, has no clue about how, uh, what kind of deportment that you need to to exhibit in times like like everybody is dealing with right now. Um, But to blame T Higgins for something like that is absolutely ridiculous. And it's amazing because in the moments after we realized this thing was really a tragic thing, uh, his name was one of the first that came to my mind, because I I, I just felt that you know this kid uh, right or wrong, and I think it's absolutely wrong for him to even think that he might have had something to do with that, um, and and bear any kind of burden or any kind of guilt, and then to have a guy like Mark Scott uh, kicking while he's down by by saying that maybe he had a direct hand in in putting uh, DeMar Hamlin in the position that he's currently in. It's ridiculous. And again, I blame, I blame the networks. I blame a lot of people that are responsible today for hiring guys who have no experience to speak of at all and don't know how the hell to deal with situations like this other than to say stupid
0: shit. The, Reds played the next day after John mcSherry died on the field they resumed that story the game behind f- that too well go ahead yeah, please go ahead. share it with us love to hear it
4: well you know uh and you probably know this and you may have already discussed it if you have stop. no we have not okay well you know you said seven pitches in and that's correct I mean the game began at 105. And seven pitches in, he threw up his hand and turned and didn't walk toward the Reds that He walked to the door behind home plate. And when he reached the warning track, he went down on his knees and then went face first into the senders that made up the warning track around the outfield and home plate and the whole area. Um, that was roughly an hour, an hour and a half later at 245 an announcement was made that the game would begin in 30 minutes. Well, 30 minutes came by and there was no game. And finally, well after that, the announcement was made that the game was canceled and would be played tomorrow. Now, the backstory was that Marge shot wanted to play the game then, that day, April 1st. She wanted to pick it up and go ahead and play, despite what we had all witnessed on the field in the first inning. Ray Knight was manager of the Reds. And Ray said to her, we're not playing. And she said, well, you've got to play because I, She he said, you do whatever you have to do. But we've talked about this amongst us in our clubhouse. We are not playing. And I've got 25 players and I've got a coaching staff that has my back on this thing. So you do whatever you feel like you have to do, but we're not playing. And that was it. Uh, the best that she could do would... Was played the next day, and, and obviously that's what they did. I think baseball is a little bit different than, and and I know where you're going with this, and and eventually they would have had to play. I mean, yep. you could have postponed the next day too, but you're not going to postpone a week, and so 162 games as opposed to 17, uh, it's a little bit different, and and so I I didn't fault them for have uh, for playing the next day because. They were going to have to play eventually, anyway. Uh, unlike this game, because I, I know what they're talking about now, and I think the easiest solution to this whole thing is to knock off one of the weeks that exists between the the uh, league league championships and and the Super Bowl. All you got to do is knock out one week. Uh, it ain't it ain't brain surgery here, um, but that's another story. I I just you know God bless Ray Knight because. Uh, Ray Knight was a was a, a man that that had that had great vision, had great empathy for people, and it, it, he made he made the decision because he told her, "I'm we're not playing, and you have to deal with that because you're owner of the club." And that was the end of it.
0: Well, um, you know, I mean, you're spot on. We were talking about just before you came on the air about conceivably what they could do. Uh, we're going to have Reuben Brown on the program a little bit later on today. He's joined us before, former multi-times, was an all-pro offensive lineman. He'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. He's already in the College Football Hall of Fame, covers the Buffalo Bills podcast, et cetera, about what's going on up there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, it, it's hard to believe that the Bills are even going to play this Sunday. I mean, I don't fault the league for a second. They 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 should not at this point be canceling games uh, for, you know, nearly a week later, uh, they do have to finish their season. There is a business side to all of this and it's not being yes. callous or cold. As I said earlier, you have to continue no. to go on just like you're playing, praying that DeMar Hamlin can go on and his family can go on. Um, but golly day, uh, how hard is that going to be in Buffalo on Sunday?
4: i I can't imagine um i saw somebody make a comment that the bengals should not be required to play on sunday nor should buffalo be uh, required to play everybody else should play but they shouldn't play um i i would i would like to think that obviously there's been a lot of conversation i'm sure there's been talk uh from the league office uh and and the folks in buffalo the ownership and coaches, et cetera, and I would imagine the same thing has been true as far as the Bengals are concerned, although it was not one of theirs. I think the way that they dealt with this whole thing was uh, beyond criticism. I thought it was wonderful that what they did in every respect of the word and and the medical people and the response and the whole nine yards. uh, These people stood up and stood up proud and did a wonderful job. I, I don't know, and I agree with you. I, it, it, I hope people don't think it's callous to say it, but you just said it, and I agree with you. It is a business at the end of the day, and they can't cancel everything from now on and then go straight to however they end up seeding the teams that are involved in the situation. But uh, I agree with you. I, it, it would be it would be very very difficult for I would think the Buffalo Bills to have to go back out and play this weekend after what happened here on Monday night. Um, but I'm sure that they will figure out a way to to work this thing out. It may not be to everybody's satisfaction, but I think everybody will understand, uh, given the circumstances, that they had to do something, and and hopefully what they do will be accepted. They, meaning the NFL, it will be accepted by the majority of people and, and, and with the understanding that, one, they had to make a decision. Two, they were limited by the amount of time that they were dealing with. And, and, and go on from there.
0: You know, I just thought it was unfair, Dad, in, 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 in wrapping up with you here. And in, in, in this stuff is hard to talk about because there's no easy answer on anything. Look, I, I'm not here to defend the NFL in any form or fashion. I mean, um, you know, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. No organization is perfect. No human being is perfect. We know that. I, I just think in this day and age, we're so quick to judge people's reactions to things when you're talking about something of this magnitude. Much has been made of, you know, Joe Buck coming on the air and saying, well, we're told that the teams are going to get five minutes. And you got people talking about nonsense like that. I mean, the National Football League, uh, I don't even know where Roger Goodell was that night. Uh, He's probably back in New York somewhere. But for for people to, to just jump on the bandwagon and criticize and kill Goodell and kill the NFL, for not doing this or not doing that. Why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do this? You've got a potential of a guy who, who he's just had cardiac arrest on the field and you're scrambling around and trying to figure out what are we going to do? And I, and I just think that, that, that we've reached a point now where, I mean, you, you are damned if you do and damned if you don't in every single decision you make anymore.
4: Well, I mean, uh, and I and I'm 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 eliminating this tragedy that happened Monday night to begin with. Let's make sure we understand something here. This guy's making almost sixty-four million dollars a year. He can be criticized every time he takes a breath. Yes. Um, and so I don't I don't have a great deal of empathy for him. To the but but having said that, um, I was quick to be critical of him on Monday night for waiting as long as he did uh, to make the decision. Not to play, but then I find out later on that the decision really wasn't his, because both football teams said we're not going to play, um, and, and and I thought Zach Taylor was wonderful in the way yep. he dealt with the Bengals side. Sean McDermott, the same. So it wasn't a matter of, of Roger uh, Goodell making a decision as president, of the National Football Commissioner. Uh, uh, we're not playing. They made the decision for him, just like Ray Knight's Reds made the decision for Marge Shot in 1996 uh, I understand better now I think and, and you know I made I made a mistake because I jumped all over him um, I understand now all the things that went in to where it ended up uh, because people first and foremost people were concerned about DeMar Hamlin and and the unknown of what was going on with him at the moment after he had been taken off the field by ambulance and taken to the UC Medical Center. I understand all that now. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but again, if you're gonna be commissioner of a league and, and you're gonna make that kind of money, then you gotta live with the criticism that comes your way. Um, and, and but and again, I say that in a general sort of way, uh, not not taking into account or eliminating for a moment what happened on monday night and how they had to deal with that on a minute by minute real time basis
0: and you know in summation i gotta believe uh based on everything that we found out later once they got him into the ambulance and i'm again i'm not making an excuse and nobody's come out and said this but they were waiting for his mom to be able to get down there before they got him to the hospital if all of a sudden five minutes after this happens you cancel the game you got 65 70,000 people pulling out of there. And I know ambulances can get through it. But, I mean, it makes it a little bit harder if all of a sudden you got this mass exit of people That's right. trying to get this young man out of there. So, again, uh, it, you know, it, it just – and I'm with you all the way. I mean, there are things that Goodell has done where he has earned criticism and, yes. uh, and, and should be held accountable. There's no doubt about it. But this was so different, uh, we haven't seen anything like it. Uh, in the better part of fifty some years, going back to a, a Detroit Lions player in the early '70s, if I'm not mistaken, and um, and so you know, but Dad, uh, thanks so much for sharing your insight on this. Really appreciate it, um, and uh, and thanks for the time today.
4: Okay, pal, enjoy being with you guys.
0: Okay, all right, we love you. We'll see you soon. Love you too. Thank you. All right. Um, so you know, I mean some interesting perspective there uh you know if you were getting ready to say paul
3: no i wasn't getting ready to, to say anything necessarily i do have something in a tweet thread i'm going to bring up here in a second but one thing i wanted to ask you just since we're talking about it before we get off the topic um a lot of praise was being given to scott van pelt and to ryan clark and troy and joe and to the studio crew schefter booger susie Kolber, um and uh, i'm blanking on who the sideline reporter's name was in cincinnati but to Lisa Salters, Lisa, uh, Lisa Salters, yeah, yeah. Lisa Salters to, to everybody that handled the situation as well as they did. I mean, they were basically on the air straight for two hours. Yeah. And it became pretty clear when they went back to the studio with Schefter and Booger and, and Susie Colbert that after about a half hour, they, they just kept saying the same things over and over. And it's a tough spot where you want to stay on the air. And you want to be able to cover the situation, but you also don't have any new details. You don't yep. have anything that you can offer as an update. But I thought overall, you know, I, I thought Scott Van Pelt, I don't know how much of it, Tom, you watched. But from the second, I mean, I, I, I don't think I changed the channel for about three hours. And I watched the whole thing. And from start to finish, I, I just can't imagine. And I wanted to ask you about it. You know, it's, it's I don't want to say it's easy, but it's relatively easy right for a professional like yourself to sit up there and call a game for 3 hours and and talk about who throws the ball, who catches the ball, who makes the tackle. But when you have a situation like this where you have to improvise and where you have to handle this in front of what turns out to be dozens of millions of people because this is on ABC and ESPN and this is a nationally televised game, the only game and the biggest game of the NFL season and you as a play-by-play broadcaster are put on the spot to figure this out. What's the first thing that maybe runs through your head, Tom, or what are you thinking about? Like, I don't know. I'm just curious because as somebody that's been in the booth for as many years as you have, I know maybe you haven't seen something exactly like this, but just to maybe offer some perspective yourself. Well,
0: you know, the, the thing is, I think my dad hit the nail on the head there, but you don't want to start speculating because you don't know what happened. And that, and that pertains to um, – that pertains to uh, uh, an injury on the field, as he pointed out. I mean, you just don't know. You can see a guy reaching down. I remember um, years ago, I was doing a, a baseball playoff game out in Oakland, and the A's had an outfielder named Jermaine Dye who fouls a ball off of his leg. And we've all seen a thousand times. Guy does it, walks around home plate, um, and, and gets up and, and, and gets back in the box, and the game goes on. This guy did not get back in the box. And we can show the replay a thousand times. Where did the ball hit him? Well, you know, turns out, and this is nothing compared to this Hamlin situation. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bleeding one into the other, but to answer your question about what do you do? Well, we don't know that the guy's knee has just been shattered. He fouled the ball off his foot and, and shattered everything inside, or off his knee and shattered everything inside of there. And he's got a family. I don't know if they're at the game. You know, his mom, his dad, his brother, his sister, his wife, his kids, whole nine yards. You, you can't start speculating. This thing turned into a news story more than a sports story. The closest thing that I could draw as an analogy to this would be the earthquake back in 1989 in San Francisco. Al Michaels is on the air as a sports broadcaster. I was at the stadium that night. I saw what was going on about an hour and a half later as I started to drive back through San Francisco. Power was out. Bay Bridge had collapsed. Dozens and dozens of people are dead. Dead. And now Al Michaels is trying to navigate this whole thing as a news guy. It was very clear that ESPN, um, and and even though that's a, you know, obviously they're owned by Disney, ESPN and ABC and the whole nine yards, you know, they didn't have um, a reporter going to the UC Medical Center. You know, they didn't have news reporters out there trying to cover this story. And so for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and for uh, uh, Susie, who I've known Susie for years. I I think the world of her. She was a sideline reporter for my group one year in the NFL. Really smart. Does a great, really smart. Uh, Does a great job. Uh, I, I really felt for Booger McFarlane in there. He seems like a very decent man. Now, people may have disagreed with what kind of job he did in that tough spot on Monday Night Football up there. You know, in this situation, you saw a human side of so many people, especially him, uh, in that booth. Where I mean, What else is he going to say? And I didn't see any of the Scott Van Pelt, but just knowing him and his track record. Solid guy. Does a great job. Right? Compassionate, empathetic. You going to add, Trace?
1: Yeah, I, Scott Van Pelt was almost built for – that type of situation for that network I mean he's so incredibly professional so witty enough to be able to understand the magnitude of the situation Um, not to jump around from subject to subject but I think a lot of the outrage from the from the Skip Bayless situation maybe wasn't so much of what he said but having the understanding of the magnitude of the situation and how quickly he tweeted about it but I'm kind of I have a different take. I think we all kind of have somewhat of the similar opinions in here about the Skip Bayless situation. But someone in the chat brings up something about the Dale Earnhardt situation. I do think you can compare it a little bit to that. But the problem, in my opinion, with comparing it to Dale Earnhardt was Dale Earnhardt. The race was over, right? I mean, the 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 broadcast, for all intents and purposes, was almost over. This happened right at the beginning of the game. You know, there wasn't yeah. really a, there wasn't really a situation where you could you could even talk about anything other than the situation at hand. And then, like you said, when it turns into a news story, th- these sports, sports stations, they have no way to win, right? No matter what they do, in my opinion, someone's going to criticize them. If they bring yep. a doctor on to want to talk about, yep. you know, news type stuff and yep. get down into the gritty, nitty gritty of what things that could possibly be, then you're speculating and then you're in trouble for that. Yep. If you don't, and you just sit there and you talk around the table and you, and you just talk about how Empathetic you are, and how how incredibly sad it is. And then you're talking about the same thing over and over and over again. So it is what it is. There's no way to win here. The NFL is in an incredibly difficult spot. Um, I don't think anyone will ever be happy with any of the results that anybody did in in a circumstance like that.
3: Um, this is the Twitter thread I was going to bring up. I'll read it to you real quick. This is from. Albert Breer, he wrote an article in Sports Illustrated a little bit ago about it, but I'm going to read you the thread here to just kind of sum things up real quick. He said that um, Bengals coaches had their guys warming up and had been told a few different times, five minutes. That's normal protocol when there's a longer stoppage in the game. But then as coaches saw the looks on the faces of the Bills players and Bills coach Sean McDermott, Bengals coach Zach Taylor said to one of his assistants something along the lines of, this doesn't feel right. And that's when Taylor took his headset off and went over to McDermott. I don't know specifics of what Taylor and McDermott said to each other, but the gist coming out of it was that there was no way this game uh, could go on and the players could go out there and finish the game. The Bengals stopped warming up, and it wasn't long before the field was cleared. And then his last tweet was, Honestly, I don't think there's a bad guy here. I think the NFL officials and Bengals followed normal protocol at first. I don't believe anyone was saying, get them back out there. And then reality sunk in, and Taylor and McDermott helped steer everyone to the right conclusion.
0: Spot on. Spot on. Um, You know, then you get – now, my son is very active on social media. We were out of town, and we are sitting at the airport – And he's telling me about this Skip Bayless thing. Now, now, now let me just say ahead of time, okay, there are people out there that like Skip Bayless. There are a lot of people out there that despise Skip Bayless. I've known Skip Bayless going back 30-plus years and used to talk to him probably once every two weeks during the baseball season when he was a writer out in San Francisco uh, and was a columnist out there. And we would talk all the time about, you know, sort of the rivalry that was going on back in those days with the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks and... And, and I'm not here to defend him in any form or fashion. I've not spoken to him now in a solid decade, if not longer. I, I really thought there was tremendous overreaction to his tweet yesterday. And again, I am not here to defend this guy. If you really sat down and, and, and read it, and this is what I was trying to explain to our son, because he, he's outraged by it, and he's saying, oh, you know, this guy says he ought to be canceled. And this guy says he ought to be canceled. And that guy, millions of people out there, whatever it was, hundreds of thousands. If you really read what he wrote, he was saying, I think if you just reverse the order of it, right? From what was at the end, put it at the beginning. He basically said that all of this seeding and the makeup of this game is, at the end, irrelevant. Is that the right word he used? Yeah, I believe so. I can go check. So, you know, I again it, it, it's people and we all have emotions we all react to things some of us handle it better than others i'm not one of those people who who reacts well most of the time to stuff like this uh, but i'm not active on social media and so i wasn't going to chime in or respond or anything else you heard my dad he did and there are people out there and not sitting here judging any of them because uh, lord knows uh we can all be judged for something or another but I just didn't think it warranted all of, all of the hate uh, that was sent this guy's way. Now, the Bart Scott thing is, is a little bit different story. Um, as, as we've started to talk about it, I don't know how anybody, how anybody in good conscience seriously can sit there and blame T. Higgins for this thing. I mean, can you imagine being someone who's driving down the road, you're obeying all the traffic laws, and all of a sudden somebody just comes running across the road out of nowhere. You accidentally hit this person, and now they are on the brink of critical condition in the hospital. And come by somebody coming out and saying, it is that person's fault. What do you think they're living with already? What do you think it's like to be in between the ears of T. Higgins right now? I didn't do anything that you wouldn't do 150,000 times in a football game. And you got somebody out there who actually played the game. If it was some idiot like me who's never stepped on a football field and you made that comment, you know, you're an idiot, right? And and I can't relate. I've never been out there. But for a guy who's been out there and has gone, I mean, has done everything he can. And I've called a bunch of games that Bart Scott played in. He was a hell of a player. You know how many times this guy smashed into people violently, willingly, and to all of a sudden come out and say that? How does that happen?
1: I think you have a a combination of a multitude of things, right? Uh, I think when you get to these big networks, there's this thought that the Stephen A. Smiths and the Skip Baylesses of the world are the most popular inside the room, right? They are the ones that make the most money. They're, one, they're the ones that draw the most eyeballs. And largely Stephen A. and Skip have built that audience based off of being controversial. And I think that there's this fine line in the sand between being controversial and also overstepping your bounds, right? And that's where I think Skip Bayless really have gotten himself into a position where that's why it was so visceral at the beginning of that, and that's why it got so big, is because of the takes that he's had prior to that yep. one, and the line of work that he lives in, right? He he's a, he's of a show that sits there and tries to make anything they possibly can a big deal, right? There's not a whole lot of what I would call journalism there. Not that that not that there's a time and place. For the things that they do. But when you start to get into subject matter that becomes relatively serious, and it's not just sports, it's not just LeBron versus MJ, you find yourself in a position where you're going to get people that aren't going to handle that well. And that's essentially what happened. Now, Bart Scott's a whole nother story because the other concern I have too, to a small extent, is when these guys walk into a building, right? Bart Scott, and I'm not trying to be empathetic towards athletes, but a lot of these guys They've, they've never really grown up to be put in the spots that they're in, right? So Bart Scott has played in the NFL his whole life. He was an athlete. And it doesn't mean you can't be anything else other than an athlete. But what I am saying is that when you walk into a building and the most popular guy within the building that you're at is very hot takey, is very let's try to get people's emotions drawn, sometimes I think that can lead to the idea of people also trying to emulate that. And I, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened here. And I'm not saying Stephen A or Skipper to blame. That's not what I'm getting at. But when the culture is to try to get people to react all the time, and that is what social media, and that is what digital media quite frankly has become. If you look at social and you look at YouTube, it's all clickbaity, right? And I, 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 we sat here in this office two months ago and said, what do we do here? Because in order to get viewership, a lot of times you gotta be, you gotta be for lack of a better term, an idiot at times. And then on the opposite side, you just want to be authentic and real and hope that it will continue to grow. But digital media has made it to where thumbnails are clickbaity, headlines are clickbaity, right? You, you try to read a news article and you read the new news article and it's like, wait a minute, the headline that I clicked on is completely different than the article that I read. No question. So at the end of the day, I'm not trying to make this a huge, incredibly social, big, big picture issue with the Bart Scott situation, but That's the culture that we're starting to try to push ourselves down where who's first, does it really matter if you're right or wrong because you're just trying to become popular, and at the end of the day, journalism is sinking towards the bottom, and you're putting Bart Scott in a position where he probably should be more of a journalist than a person that's talking about sports and have a hot take when you're talking about the T. Higgins In this situation. I mean, it's absurd. But correct me if I'm wrong. This is the same guy,
0: if I'm not mistaken, that a year ago when the Bengals, the final regular season game of the year, when they ran up 500 yards of offense against Baltimore and that kind of thing, this is the same guy who basically said, put a red dot on Joe Burrow's helmet and to put out a bounty on the Bengals for what they did to the Ravens. Now, that's where really all of this whole kind of thing, if I'm remembering this right, and I'm pretty sure I am, this is what happened uh, a year ago on this thing. And, and it's just disgusting. I, you know, look, um, I've been in the same situation that Bart Scott has been in, and I hope and pray the guy's woken up and he's saying, hey, you know what, uh, th- th- this was bad. And maybe he's already done that this morning. I don't know. I have to believe he's probably done that already.
3: I, I don't know about this morning, but you are right about the red dot comment from last year. And again, I, I just, I get so lost in those things. It's so stupid to me when you talk about professional athletes, if you're going back to that comment, running up a score or throwing for, who cares? Yep. And you want to go out and say that the you know, he's got a red dot, like, what are we doing, man? Right. Come on.
1: No one in their right mind thinks that T. Higgins' play was anything malicious. I mean, come on. No, that is so absurd that I don't even really want to talk about it on the show because it's almost like giving, it's almost doing exactly what they want to do. If If it's intended, but what Bart Scott wanted to do on purpose, quite frankly, it's worked because everyone's talking about Bart Scott. And then we're also talking about how ridiculous it is that T. Higgins, like, if you watch the play, you know for a fact that that play has been ran in football, as you said, Tom, 150,000-plus times. T. Higgins did nothing wrong. So it's absurd to to, to, even, to even say such a thing. Yeah. And to be honest, if he were to get let go because of that, I actually I don't believe in cancel culture, obviously, but I could understand why you would let someone go from a job when they make that big of a mistake in that critical of a moment, talking about somebody that, quite frankly, their, their health and their mental health matter just as much as anybody else's. And you're almost blaming somebody that is blameless, right?
0: I had Mike Reed years ago. And before we go to a commercial break, I'll never forget this as long as I live. And for those of you that don't know who Mike Reed is, Mike Reed was the best defensive player in college football for Penn State in the late 60s, early 1970s. He went on to be the fourth pick, something like that, in the NFL draft by the Bengals. He was the best defensive lineman in the NFL his first four years in a league. All pro three times, sacks. Aaron Donald, in fact, just broke all of Mike Reed's records for most sacks in two years, most sacks in three years, most sacks in four years. Mike Reed quit playing football to start playing music at the Blind Lemon in Mount Adams when he was 26 years old. He quit. He wanted to be a musician. He's gone on to write 25, 35, number one hits, everybody from Bonnie Raitt to Michael Jackson to Alabama to blah, blah, blah. I got to know him quite well socially through a mutual friend, Eddie Shepard. And we were having dinner one night at Eddie Shepard's house. And I I will never forget this as long as I live. We're having a conversation about me covering the NFL. And he says to me, have you met anybody interesting? Any of the players that are really interesting. And I said, uh, yeah. I said, as a matter of fact, this guy, London Fletcher, he's a small, you know, college John Carroll, uh, came into the NFL, was a good player for the Rams, goes to the Redskins at the time, becomes an all pro player, really smart guy, very thoughtful guy, blah, 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 blah. He said, is that right? I said, yeah. He said, we'll never forget one thing. He said, you know, and, and, and this would have pertained to Bart Scott. It would pertain to any defensive player, Mike Reed claims, that has ever played football. The second that ball is kicked off, it is all about hitting people as hard as you can, as many times as you can. And he had much more colorful language than I'm using right now. And I only bring this up because Bart Scott has done that a thousand times and thank the Lord above tens of thousands of times. Thank the Lord above, nobody suffered this kind of, this isn't even an injury. This is far more than an injury. Um, but then to come out and to, you know what? Bart Scott, I don't know you. I met him a couple times. I did games. Um, but, you know, I just hope that, that you're waking up today and saying, okay, um, you're allowed to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I know what that's like. Um, and i hope that happens for him and, and i certainly hope and pray not only for for Demar hamlin but also for t higgins because you know brandon Seho does a mental health show here uh things that happen in your life it can be over a long period of time it can be over a single moment in time just like that your life can change on a dime and i just hope and pray that that uh um, That the other side of this, when somebody's calling you out for being a reason, that this guy is in a hospital in critical condition fighting for his life. For to have someone say that about you in this situation is just just brutal. All right, we're going to have Reuben Brown coming up in about uh, 10 minutes from now. Former longtime all-pro offensive lineman with the Buffalo Bills. He's the Anthony Munoz of the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Now he covers the Bills regularly, uh, and we're going to get an update from him on exactly what is going on in in, in Buffalo, uh, and you know get his thoughts on, on on not only Demar Hamlin, but about the Bills moving forward, uh, and and what you know he sees their situation, and you know what do you do? Not that he has the answers, but he's, this guy's a really sharp dude. You'll like this guy. We're back with more in a moment. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Before Reuben Brown comes on here in a matter of minutes, uh, you know, my feeling is on this football game, and I have to tell you, to me it's no different than overtime. Each team had a chance to play one offensive series. One team scored a touchdown, the other team kicked a field goal. In my opinion, you would be justified, and I don't say this because we live in Cincinnati. I think you could be justified in saying the Bengals won the game.
3: I would have a hard time saying that the Bengals won only because I feel like this would be like saying, you know, in baseball you have to play at least four and a half innings. I feel like this would be the second That's inning. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. I think the Bengals winning outright would be a tough decision in my mind. Trace, I don't know if you have any thought on that.
1: No, I, I, I'm with you a little bit, Paul. But I also know that there's we're, – we're getting to a position now where the NFL – they're going to get crushed no matter what they yep. do, in my opinion – They have to make a decision. They they have to let everyone know this is the plan moving forward. And there's a lot of really questions that, or not even questions, but some, some answers that need to be had that you know, hopefully, of course, no one wants to come off as insensitive. That's never the subject matter here. That's not what we're trying to do. But I think for just the purpose of a show, there's questions that I have as far as just like if you do move it back a week, then what does that look like for the rest of the teams in the NFL like you know do they do they play and then get a bye week the week right before you know when do you play this game and then on top of that Tom I don't know what your opinion on this would be but like this is a little more maybe like from the economics side of things but like what do you do for all the fans of Cincinnati that that went to that game or that were in Buffalo that came down to that game I, I genuinely don't know what the answer is, but I I have a hard time swallowing the fact that someone were paying $1,000 yep. a ticket, yep. and they go down there, and they're just out that money. I don't know.
0: Well, there's no doubt. An emperor, Starscream, uh, brings it up in the chat. Uh, the, the bottom line is, you're spot on, Trace. The NFL is going to get slaughtered no matter what they do, and they are in— nearly as difficult a position as you can possibly be in. And we pray that it's not the worst possible situation that you can be in, but they're right on that line. They're up against it with a young man in critical condition in the hospital. So no matter what they do, they are nearly in an impossible situation as to no matter what decision they make in regard to the outcome of the game, rescheduling the game, the seedings of the teams, if you don't play the game, on and on and on. Then you go into the whole layer of, you know, the thing we talked about earlier with Kansas City. There's no way in good conscience. That's another decision that the people in Kansas City are going to have to make. And to be honest, even if the Hunt family, the owners of the Chiefs, came out and said, you know what, Buffalo deserves to be the number one seed. Same number of losses, uh, one less game, they beat us the league would have to agree to that. And whether the league would agree to that or not, I have no idea and I don't know if the Hunt family's gonna do it. We talked about this earlier, Um, but boy.
3: Well, and Brian in the chat brings up a good point too, because you can talk about, well, does Buffalo feel obligated to forfeit this game because they were losing, but then if they don't play on Sunday, if everybody else plays and they have to forfeit on Sunday, then the Steelers are eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, this is a mess that the NFL has on their hands right now, and I'm fully with you, Trace, where this is a lose-lose situation, and eventually somebody is just going to have to make a decision, and every party involved is just going to have to live with it, and that's how it goes.
1: Yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is is from a team's perspective – of all of the teams that, you know, that are obviously affected by this, which the three that come to my or four that come to mind that are the biggest, you have the Chiefs, obviously, that they probably are the one team that are the least affected, but they are somewhat affected. Then the two biggest effects are the Bills and obviously the Bengals. And then you have the Ravens in a situation where they're kind of on you know, they're in a situation where they're not sure what what exactly the league's gonna do. But at the end of the day, no one's gonna be no one's gonna be pleased. I won't say no one but you can't please everyone in a situation like this and I just there's a reason it's unprecedented territory and there's a reason that when you get into these spots in life not just in situations like this specific one but in other situations where you genuinely can I think it's okay Tom and you can tell me if I'm wrong is it okay for someone from an executive level of the NFL to come out and just have a statement that says listen we right now are trying to process this the same way that you guys are. We're humans too. This is a terrible situation. We're working through it. We're gonna do our best, but we understand that not everyone's gonna be pleased. We just want a little bit, I know it's hard to ask for sympathy and empathy when you're in the NFL and you're the shield, yep. but in genuine, like that's the only thing I can think of that they could do to try to to try to give a little bit of grace to the decision that they're gonna make. Well, I don't know. I,
0: I, Look, I, I, I think we all agree that they are holding out as long as they possibly can to wait and see how this young man is recovering because that is the, the number one thought by miles and miles and miles ahead of everything is this young man and his very survival Reuben Brown, uh, all-pro year after year after year offensive lineman with the Buffalo Bills will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ruben, it's so nice to see you. I'm sorry we're seeing you uh, under these circumstances. You were with us early in the year and so gracious with your time, and thank you for your time today. Ruben, your thoughts uh, personally and, 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 and what's going on right now in Buffalo?
5: Well... Um, Everyone's in a wait and see mode. You know, um, all the well wishes and the good vibes are going out to DeMar and his family. Um, And everyone's just uh, leaning on the side of optimism for the best recovery or um, whatever comes of this. Uh, So I heard you saying earlier, the. The real thing that's going on is just, you know, nothing else really matters until we get an understanding of what the health situation for DeMar is.
0: Buffalo fans are as unique uh, as any fan base in any sport. Um, Just an amazing following. You've forgotten more about it than I'll ever know. I mean, I've done a number of games up there, but you're around it every single day. I want to walk through with you, Ruben, uh, first of all, as a player. Uh, And and I'm not going to ask you if you've been through a situation like this, because the answer I'm assuming would be no at any level of football. Maybe I shouldn't assume that. Uh, But when you're a player, uh, do players know in the back of their mind they are a split second away, not necessarily from something like this, but you're a split second away and maybe you never think about it? Of your life changing on a dime.
5: When something like this comes up, it definitely comes into your thought. Um, it does come to your forefront when you see uh, a teammate of yours go down in any fashion. Um, you know, even though uh, the things that I've seen aren't as severe as someone having to be revived in and uh, in order to continue to live. But I have seen guys lose their careers and also see guys have injuries that uh, forever limit them. Uh, So those are all traumatic things that we've all football players have seen, but, um, you know, rarely has anyone ever seen uh, a player having to be revived and given oxygen on the field in order to you know, survive or feel better. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot of things that go in and process there for a player in that moment. Um, And you're right, you know, you don't while you're in the action or preparing for football, but when you see an accident or an injury happen, that comes to your head right away and you think that could have been me.
0: All right, well, let me ask you this then, Ruben. Uh, how in the world does any player for the Buffalo Bills, the coaching staff, the head coach, how is not that on their mind every single snap of this game in trying to prepare for a game? Can you prepare to play this coming
5: Sunday? Um, you know, that's going to depend on the environment in that locker room. Um I'll tell you this, most p- football players, I mean, this being as strange as it may be, or and, and traumatic for everyone to see, uh, I, I hearken back to the days when I was at camp and I got the word that uh, Corey Stringer had passed. And that rocked me like this particularly um, is rocking me. Uh, but I actually finished the day of work that day after hearing that Corey died of, you know, heat exhaustion, whatever they mm-hmm. e- explained his death as. And I literally was out on the football field in the heat, and they broke us th- broke the news in between one of our breaks, and, and we went back to practice, you know. So in some ways, football um, is conditioned to do this, and then... In other ways, football is the therapy for a lot of guys and for a lot of people. Um, and uh, in some ways, it could be therapy for the Mars family or something like that. So um, that's a way up, ways off. But I would say to the public, you know, players have seen a lot of gruesome accidents and, you know, different things. Nothing like this. But they have all, you know, continued to, you know, um, play the game or move forward uh, in remembrance of their brothers. And, you know, a lot of times it, it lends inspiration. I mean, I think, you know, one of the most famous lines in, in sports football is uh, what's the Newt Rodney, remember the rock yeah. uh, type thing, you know, or, or Gale, uh, what was that one? Um, um, uh, what's the Chicago Bears running back?
0: Yeah Gale uh, Sayers, yeah.
5: Yeah, uh, no uh, the the oh, the yeah. passed away. The, yeah, yeah. Um Rocky Briar. Yeah, uh, yeah, not yeah. Rocky yeah, that story. Anyway, there's different things that can be used as, I mean not used but inspire people to greater things and awareness uh in this situation but uh we all know eventually there will be football games played. When is the issue? Um, And I think that's time sensitive. And I think everyone's playing it by ear. Uh, I was around when 9-11 happened and everyone had to make decisions about whether to play uh, uh, around that situation. So uh, we'll see. And, you know, everyone will make a a good decision. And I heard you say before, not everyone's going to be happy about what comes transpires from this because this is this is traumatic and when trauma happens you know how can you put the you know close Pandora's box without some type of mess uh, around it so you know uh,
0: this young man Ruben is really an amazing story I mean the year he's having for this Bills team you know what sixth round pick comes out of pit heavily recruited uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, heavily recruited and narrowed it down to mm-hmm. Ohio State, Penn State, Pittsburgh. Uh, ends up going to Pitt, sixth round pick, back up when the season begins. Guy gets injured, he steps in, and now all of a sudden has made the most of this opportunity. Uh, it's a great story the way this young man has played.
5: Amazing story. And all of the Pitt alumni, which I'm a part of. I know I'm that. very proud of. <laughs> of him. <laughs> you know, we're very proud of him. And I, I can remember landing him as a recruit to stay in Pennsylvania and go to Pitt. You know, we were very, very worried. We lose a lot of guys, a lot of times, for even from the Pittsburgh area out to other places, you know, like Ohio State, because they got an influence around there, or God forbid, any other schools. Um, But we were very proud and happy and excited that he came. He participated with our um, team and became, you know, one of our top guys. You know, he he earned honors while playing for the Panthers and won over everyone that came in contact with him. Um, I even heard Mike Tomlin speak about him and his interaction with him. So this is a well-beloved person. You know, and we're not saying just football player, well-beloved person and well-respected. And we all are just thinking of him and thinking of all the positive things that could come his way from here on out and, you know, you know everyone's sending out prayers so that we will hopefully see him, you know, uh, walking again and breathing and, and, and with a smile on his face.
0: All right, before I let you go, Ruben, I do want to ask you because you basically just said it. The show, quote, unquote, must go on here, okay? And and you're really up against it if you're the NFL. We've discussed this already. Um, In the grand scheme of things, if Roger Goodell called Ruben Brown and said, Ruben, listen, man, I I need some help on this deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. I need some help on what to do about this game. Should we play it and back up the playoffs a week? Um, should we make some kind of determination as to this game being no contest, for lack of a better term? Um, mm-hmm. We make the Buffalo Bills the number one seed because they beat Kansas City uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, because they got one less game, Kansas. You know what I'm getting at here. If he called you, yeah, yeah, what would you do here?
5: Well... I I was a big proponent of them not playing so many games in the first place. So if I was the union or a player that called me and that was my stance, I would weasel that in or uh, drive that point in like, hey, let's forget the game and move on to what we we have. Uh, But if that's a mathematical problem that they can't solve, we do. I've heard several people say there's an extra week built into the schedule that they can use. Um, they're not playing the Pro Bowl anymore. Just add the, uh, the playoff in that scenario or add this particular game, move everything back so this game, game could be played. Um, there's a lot of options. Uh, no one's going to be happy. Uh, and I will tell fans and people out there in the in the real world, that don't live a football's life, uh, like I have from a very young child up until uh, now, uh, up until years ago when I retired. Uh, the The game of football is not that forgiving to us. Uh, we go to that knowing it. Um, uh, there's been several games that were played after I was injured or I couldn't play, and I I felt like they should stop everything because I'm not playing. But you know, this is that's a whole different thing when you know someone's life just kind of flashed before everyone's eyes. Uh, but I will say, you know, there's been a lot of tragic things happen, and guys went on and played football after that, and not only that. Uh, they've also used it as a therapeutic of uh, getting over the trauma and and inspiring and building and e- even learning more about what caused the trauma and stuff like that so that uh, things will improve because the NFL is all about improving the safety of players and and that And that, that being said, this is the one thing I, I want to say to everyone. Um, hats off to the NFL or whoever's in charge of emergency procedures. Uh, you can tell that these guys took that serious. It, these aren't doctors and and people that are standing on the sideline because they paid some money and and uh, they get to get a really close up and close personal view. These are guys that are tasked with a job that may never happen. You know, how how many times have we seen that happen? Never. But when it did happen, they were ready to go. They yep. jumped in place. It's a matter of life and death. And we saw that right there in, in front of us. And that right there should have, you know, some type of impact on us to say, hey, there is is a level of care and concerned about what's out there and who who is out there on the field because if they did not care about that those procedures and protocols would would not be anything and you know we would have possibly seen something tragic happen Mm -hmm. out there but um time and time again when players have needed emergency care it's been there for them on the fields. I can look back to. There's been several neck injuries and problems like that, where guys uh, had neck injuries and were carted off the field. And with that quick response, that the, all of these doctors, EMS specialists have, they were able to, you know, give the athletes the best opportunity for recovery or. You know, getting themselves back to um, them their once athletic selves. So, uh, take our hats off to them and give them some praise and, and and stuff like that. While we're going through all of these things, you know, and, and compartmentalizing different things, this one we definitely should look yeah. to those guys and thank them for their hard work and and because you know they practice, they saved the life right in front of us.
0: No, there's no doubt i mean i i've said it before and not because i lived here because i've lived in a lot of different places uh you know and it's not to say that you wouldn't get the same thing somewhere else but but something like this had to happen uh i I can speak from living here that that this is one of the great healthcare cities uh in all of north america i mean the, the, the hospitals and and the doctors um, are just incredible in this town, and, uh, and our thoughts and prayers are with all of you, uh, Reuben, who are associated with the Buffalo Bills, not only those of you that played for the team, uh, but those that currently play, those that are fans of the team, the whole organization, uh, right here in Cincinnati, man, we're, we're, we're hand-in-hand uh, we're hand together with you guys, as many yeah. are across the country and around the world. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on today and taking the time on short notice. Uh, you're the best, man. You're the best, and I hope Anytime, we can try guys, to get in a playoff game, you. Ruben.
5: Playoff yeah, game. Yeah, we're going to get together. <laughs> hey, we are family. You know that. Amen, buddy. Amen, Ruben. Have a great day, man. Happy New Year to you. You too. Happy New Year.
0: Love Thank you. you. That guy's the best, man.
3: He's great. That he, was. The guy's great, awesome. Great perspective. Well yeah. spoken.
0: Yeah, great dude. I knew he was a Pitt alum. I wasn't going to get him any pub. But it's funny he brought up Pitt. I was I was with somebody down in uh, Florida the other day, and uh, this before all this happened. And a couple of older guys, Pittsburgh guys, University of Pittsburgh season ticket holders, in football and basketball and all this stuff. And Penn State was on television uh, in the Rose Bowl. I never realized how much people from Pittsburgh hate Penn State if they are Pitt guys.
2: Yeah, that's one. I thing mean, I it's
0: unreal. I mean, I thought the UC people like had it in for, you know, Ohio State, which they do. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, they do. But, man, the, I guess it's the same thing, with, really, if you stop and think about it. It's the same thing, Pitt, compared to Penn State, right?
1: Yeah, we uh, I was actually down at the tailgate at Moorline, and um, we put the Rose Bowl up on the big screen for the last, you know, half quarter and standing next to a Pitt grad, and you'd have thought, that, you'd have thought they went to Utah. I mean, it was – there was that much level of hate, <laughs> but uh, the thing—the thing that I wanted to bring up really quickly that uh, that Ruben brought up—is you know, a lot of the people that work in hospitals, a lot of the people that that do this routinely, you know, Demar Hamlin's obviously a guy that has became you know a national figure. Everybody knows, but it's not needed to be said. But I'll say it anyways. You know, the doctors, the nurses, the people that go in the middle of the night get called in to go try to save people's lives are truly heroes right that term is being that that term is used vaguely a lot within sports but I think what Ruben brought up the fact that there was people on site ready to go immediately yep they literally saved this man's life twice hopefully it comes out to be a miraculous recovery and 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 tomorrow's okay and and that's I think what obviously everybody's praying and hoping but I don't want, uh, like like Ruben said, I don't want us to forget about what efforts it took to even get us in the position we're in, and that happens every day throughout our entire country. Uh, firefighters the same yep. way, police officers the same way. Yep. You know, we always give obviously our men and women um, of the armed forces as much credit as we possibly can on the show. But that's the one thing I took away from that whole entire interview at the very end was just him saying, you know, these unsung heroes, if you will, that just stand on the sidelines and they're never needed hardly ever, they were ready to go. And um, hopefully hopefully, it turns out that they made a huge impact and saved his life.
0: Spot on, spot on. And, and you know, I hope one day, um, once DeMar Hamlin makes a recovery, and I truly believe he's going to, I do. I think signs are, are moving in the right direction. Um, but once all this is uh, said and done, Uh, And and we get great news that this young man is going to be okay and is going to live a long, healthy, happy life. um, That we know who those people that were actually on the field are. Because um, in front of 70,000 people, they see something happen on the field they've never seen. They being these emergency medical people. And I mean, they are on it right now. And they saved a man's life on the field, twice administering CPR, a 24 year old man lying on a football field in front of 70,000 people and millions and millions and millions watching on television when it happened. So, you know, I hope in some form or fashion, and I know they're the kind of people because I've talked to a million of them just like you have. That's not why they're in the game meaning in the game of being EMS, firefighters, policemen, military. They're not in it for medals and awards and recognition. That's not why they're there. But Lord knows uh, they earn it each and uh, every single day. Uh, Let's take a break. We'll come back, uh, talk a little bit more about that interview with Ruben Brown, get some of your thoughts here on the chat. We have uh, so many here that are with us here today, and we appreciate you being with us. And we're back with more in a moment. Welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, You know, one guy who some of you may like, some of you may not. He angered a lot of Bengals fans this year because he said some things about Joe Burrow that maybe some people didn't like. Politically, you may not like where he stands on a lot of issues. That's fine. No problem. But I would highly recommend, uh, and I don't watch and or listen to a lot of podcasts, but one guy that I will listen to from time to time is Jason Whitlock. Now, Jason Whitlock was a football player in college and um, never made it in the NFL, um, suffered an injury as a defensive lineman uh, near the end of his uh, career at Ball State, which prevented him from going on and playing pro football. Many thought he could have, but it didn't happen. He has gone on to be a highly decorated sports writer for years and years and years. Now he's moved more into the television ranks here over the last decade or so. He went from Fox to ESPN, back to Fox. Now he's, he's working uh, on his own um, and, you know, does his own podcast and has a lot of opinions. You'll see him a lot on, on political shows. Um, but, and, and again, I'm not here endorsing the guy's politics or anything else. That's not what I'm talking about. But he made an incredibly interesting point about how so many people are using the quote, well, this side of football. And his point was, this is not a side of football. Okay, knee injuries, shoulder injuries, whatever injuries, they are all a side of football. A cardiac arrest in the middle of a football game is not a side of football. Yes, it happens. But I think we all agree this is a complete outlier. We've not seen anything like this in a football game ever before.
3: Yeah, I, I think you make a good point because I saw a lot of people reacting and and there was a comment actually in the chat a few minutes ago about, you know, I wonder how many moms saw this and then said, well, my son's never going to play football again. And I think if you made the decision for your son to not play football, I'm not sure that this affects – or. It, it really shouldn't affect whether they play football or not because this could have happened in any sport in any way. By playing a sport, you assume the risk of something like this happening. I mean, Chris Pronger tweeted out what happened to him back in 1998. Now, it's not exactly apples to apples, but he got hit in the puck very hard. Uh, or He got hit with a puck in the chest very hard. He collapsed. Had the same type of issue. Um, we, you, you would see stories uh, on Twitter throughout the night of people that had seen something like this happening over the years where you get hit in the chest and then the player collapses. And this is not a CTE issue. This was not uh, a concussion. This was not something. This was him getting hit in the chest and then something going down like that. So whether or not it's a football issue, this was more of a sports, a physical activity issue than it was an indictment on the physicality of football, at least in
0: my opinion. Well, and I mean, we don't know yet. And again, you know, you have to, you have to preface everything by saying that, that this young man is going to be okay. Cause if something should go the other way, you know, we're, we, but you hope and pray uh, that, that, that he's okay. We don't know if there's a chance that there's some kind of medical condition ahead of this, which we didn't know about with this young man. We don't know that. And I'm not going to sit here and speculate on it. But the bottom line is, is to say this is a side of football is just way out of line. And I got to tell you, and I had a problem with this, and I know Bob Costas, and he and I have talked about this. When he came out and basically ended his career on NBC... By blasting the National Football League over concussions and about CTE, that ultimately led to Bob Costas no longer being at NBC, and he was the very face and voice of NBC Sports for better than 35, 40 years. When he went on on television and hammered the league about all of his concussion stuff, for people to say, I'm not going to let my kids play football. That's your decision, okay? But don't put it on me. Don't put it on me making a decision if my kids want to play football. Don't put it on somebody else's kids about playing football. Is an extremely elitist point of view. Because here's the deal: you've got people growing up in rural Ohio. You get to outside of Cincinnati. You get outside of Dayton, you get outside of Columbus, you get outside of Cleveland. The rest of this state and thousands and thousands of other communities in rural America or places outside of Los Angeles or places outside of Pittsburgh, whatever it might be, the only chance for their son to get a college education paid for by somebody else in many cases, is by playing football. I understand the risk of injury. I understand if you don't want to do it because of what you see happen to some of these these players. I get it a thousand percent. But if you're living in downtown Cincinnati and you are coming from nothing or downtown Miami, Florida, and your son wants to play football for Taft High School don't look down your noses at them or me or anybody else for our kids wanting to play that sport to have a chance at a better life. Don't try to tell us what we can do about playing football or not playing football. You're entitled to do what you want to do, but don't tell somebody else about what they should do with their kids and giving their kids a chance for a better life. Because if you look at most of the players, and I wish I'd asked Ruben Brown, if you look at most of the players in the National Football League, they come from nothing. Not all of them. But a lot of them come from nothing. And either one or two things happen. They got a college scholarship and they've gone on to get a job doing something else besides play football. In some cases, very small percentage, They've gone on to play in the National Football League, made millions of dollars, and they have bettered the life for themselves, and they have buried, they have bettered the life of their families. I get so mad. And it's mostly this white suburb crowd. And I'm white suburb crowd. But it's the moms and dads of this white suburb crowd that all of a sudden want to start talking about how terrible football is i disagree there are risks to anything you want to do now are there more risks playing football than there might be playing fill in the blank of course it's a violent game played by fast powerful strong human beings the most violent game in the world more so than than the hockey or some others but i just get really upset about that top
1: yeah i mean it's I, I i i get exactly what you're saying and i think that a lot of that all of that is true the other thing i would say is that you know a lot of people give football a bad rap for the concussions um and some of some of some of not everything that people are talking about with concussions in football are not true obviously and that's not what you're saying either You know should kids be playing peewee football and smashing heads against each other probably not but one thing that most people don't realize is that the leading the leading sport in concussions is soccer or football however you want to say it i mean that is that is the headers that come across the middle you hear a lot of soccer players talk about how they've had plenty of concussions largely because of headers you know you don't really think of it that way when you're watching the sport but but I want to uh, backtrack really quickly, um, kind of on the, the whole situation with this injury being a specific kind of indictment on football. So, you know, my wife is a nurse, and as soon as it happened, you know, you're leaning on I, leaning on her, and she actually worked in the ICU and cardiac, so she's very knowledgeable about all of this. Now, I'm not going to sit here and speculate on what she thinks it is or I think it is and all of that, because, you know, I don't know if that's fair to DeMar and his family and the whole situation, but... I will say, when I used to play sports, I would have this weird mechanism of, you know, of, of you know, doing this number of slamming my chest after something good or bad happened. Or, well, mostly good, obviously. And she literally told me one day, she's like, you have to stop doing that. She's like, that literally, if, it, it's, it's an incredibly rare opportunity. But if you hit that at the exact yeah. microsecond, you literally can put yourself in a situation where you'll have cardiac arrest and your heart will stop beating and I'm like, well, that's crazy. And she's like, and you know how you would get it to start beating again? You whack it again. And it's just, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but that's a lot of what the medical experts sure. are leading to. They believe that obviously it was just a freak accident. Does it mean football is perfect? No. But to sit here and say that this is, oh, look at that. That's, that's football for you is, a, is an absurd thing to say.
0: Yeah, I, 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 just, you know, I, I just feel like it's one of those things where people are talking down to people who are in a different situation in life than they are. I, 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 I just get, I, I really get upset by it because you know, you have to meet some of these young people and where they come from. And if they have to put on a football helmet and put on shoulder pads, You know, to to the chess thing that your wife had shared with you. You know, my son is a goalie in lacrosse. And what they've done in recent years, and and I'd have to see this. I mean, I think we've all seen um, uh, shoulder pads. Much of the player safety issue around the NFL has clearly been centered on the helmets and the blows to the head and concussions, CTE, on and on and on. But... You know, our son's a, a lacrosse goalie, and they're shooting 90 miles an hour from 15 feet away in some cases. And, you know, they, they've done in recent years for the shoulder pads, and, and goalies have very little protection whatsoever. They can wear as much as they want, but it's some kind of silly man code where they don't win a ton. But, but in recent years, it's become mandatory where the shoulder pads drop down almost as a shield on the chest for precisely the reason you're talking about. And I have to believe the NFL has done the same thing. I don't know. I have not looked at um, uh, some of the stuff that uh, that they have on those now. Um, yeah, they're saying the same thing. Uh, same thing. Um, all right. What else is on our mind here today, fellas? Before, Paul, you want to have something to add to this?
3: Yeah, I do. Just before we get into any other topics, I want to make sure that I tell everybody that at the top of the chat right now, there's a link to our Discord. Trace, maybe you could talk a little bit more about this, but the discord that we created has been extremely active in the last few days, especially since our partnership with bet. Fred, we've been in there talking about betting. We're talking about all the sports. It's not just betting. So if, if you aren't into the betting and you want to talk about the sports, we have spots for every league, every area team, uh, pretty much everything in there that you could want to talk about. And there are a lot of people in there that are very active in it. Last night was a ton of fun. So if you want to take the YouTube chat and carry it through the rest of your day, like we have been the last week or so, uh, join the discord again it's in the top of the the chat right now and please
0: could you please explain okay for those of us who have no idea what the hell he's talking about
3: and if you are listening on podcast form we have tweeted out the link also yeah so, so
1: i i believe it or not tom i was i did not know what discord was uh, every bit of 15 days ago maybe 14 days ago or so so someone brought up the idea. Matt in our office here brought up the idea of, hey, you guys just start a Discord. You got a lot of people that obviously interact with you, et cetera, et cetera. You guys are always trying to interact on on Twitter, um, and I was like, what is Discord? Basically, Discord is nothing more than kind of a forum chat group for different subject matters that 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 the specific server can create, which is a fancy word of saying what we can create. So we've created a, a spot, a community, if you will, of a place where you can go and you can chat and interact with us. We try to be social and, and interactive on that. And, and, and again, we haven't really had the opportunity, unfortunately, to use the Discord chat or the channels while we have a big game going on. Um, that kind of got cut off, obviously, on Monday, when the first time we really had an opportunity to do that. But, you know, we've, we've sat here and progressed and watched our numbers um, on YouTube. Many of you are here from the very first show, and we appreciate that, and we kind of remember and know who those were. Um, But let's be honest. We had 20, 30 people that would watch this show concurrently when we first started. Got up to 50 in a few weeks. We're we're Now we hover right around 100 to 150 every single day. Yep. Got over 200 a couple times. Our YouTube numbers are growing. We just got a big deal, obviously, with Betfred. And we want to be authentic. That was the goal of this this company, quite frankly, as soon as we started it. And – you know, we just, this is another spot for you to go to be able to enjoy hopefully local sports in a, um, in a responsible manner. You know, obviously today the chat kind of got sideways for a minute. And, you know, we don't want to be moderators here, but we want to keep things fun. We want this to be an escape from a maybe uh, everyday, you know, your everyday life per se, and we want it to be an enjoyable experience. So the Discord is just another place to go to interact with us. And you just have to click that link if you don't know what Discord is. Just sign up, make a mess of it at the beginning like I did, have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and then after a little bit of time, you're just like anything else, it's like tying your shoes, man. When you're a kid and you try to tie your shoes, it was it was hard as hell, and then you figured it out. So same way same way goes with the Discord, Tom. We'll have to get you on there and, and, and let you see what it is.
0: But I'll have to check it out.
1: Four people have
3: joined since we pitched that idea. So we appreciate Jared, Jolly Jolly, Cincinnati Kid, Matt Blankenship, everybody in here now in the last – two minutes so yeah
1: so it's it's been fun and it's it's been an enjoyable thing tom you can speak on this a little bit um for today's show that's been so kind of heavy um it's been fun on this ride because obviously it's not easy you're grinding every day you're working as hard as you can to try to make the show as best as you can we still have a long way to go to probably make this show as good as we want it to be yep but at the same time uh, it's been very very rewarding to see this thing progressively grow and and um, again it's amazing how hard it is to get people to understand that you do this show every day and and uh, we're going to continue to market and do our best but uh but the numbers are growing and and it's been relatively pleasing and i know you were excited over the weekend tom because uh you felt like things were progressing in the right well
0: my son you know he's the one that's really active on this stuff and i've said before and all of you we laugh about it in the chat room so some of your comments here today about me and discord i mean it's good stuff and uh and i know it's all in fun uh, but, but my son is sharing with me senior in high school and he, he's sharing with me about how, you know, some of the, um, views we're getting, for example, on Twitter and when things are, are going out and retweeting or some of the things we're putting online and on, on, uh, Instagram and, and, and some of the other things about how, you know, it's in his opinion, it, it's amazing from us just starting, not even, you know, like three months ago, um, And we're all grateful and can't thank all of you. I know sometimes that stuff sounds trite and it sounds, you know, um, whatever the word is. Uh, But, you know, for all of for so many of you who are here with us every day and we notice on the chat, uh, there are new people joining in all the time. And look, I'm not going to I'm not going to be afraid to 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 give a sales pitch here on this this show. You know, we're always looking for new advertisers and I'm not going to be ashamed to say it just like you you're going out and trying to make a living doing whatever it is that is you're doing right i mean our friends from Pawnee, right across the street i mean this stuff's unbelievable and these are hardworking guys they're trying to build their business just like we are right um and and encore technologies and united dairy farmers uh but we have lots going on here at chatterbox and now betfred uh, and so many others jake sweeney uh and, and some of the ones going back to high school football um But look, if you've got friends or you've got family that are business owners and you don't want to go out and spend a gazillion dollars uh, like you may have and would have to in some other areas or places, uh, and you want to consider being a part of our family, and it's a small group. I mean, it's a small company. not going to call it a startup company. But as far as these shows are concerned, it's very much a startup company. Uh, And we've got big plans and things we want to do, but it takes money to do it. And so if you'd like to, to, to be a part of our team, I, uh, I can sit here very proud and tell you that it would be uh, it would be appreciated and it would be money well spent if you can, would consider and you do make that kind of decision. The one
3: thing off of that, Tom, that I would also say, I see Emperor Starscream in the chat saying, I'm glad you guys are growing, but if the chat got up to 1,000-plus, it would suck. There are ways that we can make sure that, look – we have already had conversations this that's something that we've talked about that if if we got to a point here and we would love to be to a point right where we're yeah. getting a hundred chats a a minute you know as this has gone on but we can see how many chat messages are in the chat every day as soon as this show ends the live stream we get a breakdown stat report of how many people watched how long you watched for how many chat messages there were all that stuff and look everybody we know who has been in this chat from day one we know who watches this every day there are ways that you know we can reward everybody that has been in here with us and has grown with us because we appreciate everybody that has been there with us since day one and and there's probably i'd say 20 or 25 of you in this chat that are in here every single day and we know we know the usernames we know we don't know you personally right We, we don't know you off
1: the screen but we at least
3: know your screen names and uh we, wouldn't, we would not leave you in the dust. Let's yeah, put it that yeah. way. There's
1: ways in which we can make the chat and give the people that, were, as we call them the OGs, an opportunity to have privileges above the rest. You know, we, we, we pay attention to other, other organizations, other people that stream, and you're right. There's no doubt about it. You look at McAfee's chat sometimes, um, and it's absurd. You can't even follow it. It's impossible. We would like for that not to be the case on our chat, so we've got to find ways in which that won't be the, that won't be the same uh, case. But nonetheless... You know, we're, we're thankful, as Tom just said, and, and we're going to continue to try to make the show better because that's why you come. You don't come here to, to get, obviously, awards and us tell you how great you are. You want to talk, talk about sports. So I don't know if there's any specific subject matter that the chat wants to get involved with at the very end. Tom, maybe you have something that you, uh, that you haven't gotten to yet. But um...
0: No, you know, I, I think that, uh, that, 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 you know, if this game doesn't happen where we're living – I don't know what, what what sports talk shows are like today in Dallas. I don't know what they're like today in Kansas City. Kansas City, a little closer tied to it because of some of the repercussions. Maybe that's a bad example. But, I mean, just go anywhere. Miami, Atlanta, clearly everybody's talking about this young man, DeMar Hamlin, and, and, and thinking of him and praying for him and his family. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and, 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 and all of sports would be tied together because the king of the jungle is the National Football League, and everybody's talking about the National Football League, and most people are talking about what happened uh, on that game Monday night. But I think here in Cincinnati, I think we have to be a little more sensitive to it because that young man's here in a hospital in our town with our doctors and, and, and our nurses and those who have to, to come clean up in a hospital room I mean, those are our moms and dads and brothers and sisters and cousins and, you know, all that kind of thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we've got people on this chat right now that, that have some kind of family member that's down there at the UC Medical um, Hospital. And, and, and in some form or fashion, um, they don't have some kind of link to to what's going on down there um, and how he's doing Um Chris sports gamer, who's out in Los Angeles, he said, Right now, it's all talk about the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Rams, and the Chargers. Right? And that's probably what's going on in fairness in most other places, and that yep. doesn't make them bad people. Doesn't make them bad at all.
1: So, Tom, one thing that uh, I know we implemented this. I don't know if Tom was here when we implemented it or no, no, not. not. He was not. So, we're going to have to catch you up to speed, Tom. So, we turned on something called Super Chat.
0: Which oh, is my a- God. Here we go again.
3: Gee, I mean— <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me?
0: Every I mean, you know, somebody said on the chat, New Year's resolution for Tom to get more tech savvy. All
1: right, Tom, I think it's I think it's time for this.
0: There's one of those that goes around on the internet. Joe Burrow, Joe Scheist. Joe what? Is that the word? Is that the hip word? I don't even know what to say. What? When a viewer tells me that I'm trying to be hip and I'm not as hip as I think I am, that
2: hurts. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. All right, Tom. So here's the deal. We, we have something called Super Chat. Just a fancy word of saying people can contribute to the program with their own hard-earned money. And when they do that, their message kind of gets blown up there, and you can see it relatively well. And uh, fortunately, we had, uh, we had that happen here just a moment ago with Rowdy Everlap, and uh, he has obviously something to say with ditch the Pro Bowl, move the playoffs back a week, and play the Bills game on Saturday after... Week eighteen at okay. Paycor.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Rowdy Everlap, and thank you for teaching me. By the way, I had said Sports Gamer was in LA. He's not. He's in Boise, Idaho. I remember. I should have remembered that. He's been with us here before. Ultimately, though, don't, don't you think that's what's going to happen? They're going to back everything up. I think you guys are spot on.
3: Yeah, I think they probably that would make the most sense as long as everybody's okay with. The, now, I guess my question is, where do you play the? The Bengals and the Bills in that.
0: Well, you have to play here.
3: No, 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 no. I'm saying the Bengals and Bills now would play uh, 12 days from now.
0: No, they play. They play. Well, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm now. saying. Like yeah, they would so, be the only game. Only game next in the, in a, yeah, next only game. Sunday yeah. or Monday or whatever a, it is. That'd be the only game
3: in town. And then does everybody who had tickets to the game get tickets? Like well, how does that work? I don't know. That's where that's
1: where this is a logistical nightmare. But I will say, that gives it enough time, in my opinion, to have a have a solid outcome on the situation. Be able to give it its due justice on how you can memorialize it or, or remember that situation, whether it's a celebration or obviously the alternative. Um, regardless, you can make it a celebration of life. I don't want to be uh, too too morbid here, but at the end of the day. It seems like that's enough of a, of, of a separation between the event that would allow you to be able to kind of handle it, hopefully, as, as a human, and it doesn't feel too soon. Uh, but it's it's difficult no matter what happens. The best-case scenario, right, is if somehow – and again, this is where I just plead ignorance because I don't know anything about medical field. I don't know the situation at hand. But if there was any way to, that, that DeMar Hamlin could be at that game in some capacity and there be a moment to where – everybody could kind of root him on and cheer him on and give it and, and lift his spirits. That would be an unbelievable, that would, that would be an unbelievable moment for our country, quite frankly. Yeah, it, no it, it's one in which that I think, um, not to, not to make it go too far here or anything like that, but it would, it would be a, it would be one of those moments what you've said before, where you would, you would remember where you were at when you saw that moment.
0: Well, And the only place you can have that is here. It really is. It's the only place you can have that. And I don't mean because the game was orig- was played in Cincinnati when they started on Monday night. It's because the young man, and good Lord willing, he is going to be okay. But if we do get to that point, that game has to be here because it's here where the people here were the ones that were there when everything happened. And they were the ones here. That were with him every second of the way to provide for him the best health care possible and they do for anybody that comes through the doors in every hospital in his town but his family has been here the whole time this isn't a game and look and he has more fans in buffalo than he does here they have more fans maybe in pittsburgh than he does here we get all that but if by the grace of god we get to that day uh trace you are spot on um It it, it would be, um, I mean, just hearing about it, uh, Trace, you saying it, it it gives you goosebumps thinking about what that could be if, if we can get to that moment in time. It would be, I I would dare to say it it would be one of the single most, like you said, it, it would be one of the most memorable human stories, sports stories for sure. Of all time. Of all time.
1: Yeah, and just to add to it, I mean, I, I I have visualized things a lot in my life, where where you know, like that's that's a lot of a lot of like with Chatterbox, that's a lot of things that that have happened, have come to fruition, and I just keep visualizing this this idea of of whether he's in a wheelchair, whether he can walk. I don't know what that looks like, mm-hmm. but but having the medical staff that was involved, having his entire family involved in it, come out. To basically do a coin flip or something of that magnitude, and and you want to talk about a moment that would be incredibly moving, that's what we need to. That's that's the vision that 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 I have when I pray for it, and I hope to God that comes true. And and you know that is the best case scenario as we all know. But but uh, but nonetheless, we'll obviously sit and wait and all be on pins and needles to a certain extent to try to hope to find out. Paul, did you have something? I think you were yeah.
3: Real quick, there's there's no scenario where this game doesn't mean anything, right? There's no scenario no. where after the games play out this
1: weekend, it's just like, oh, well,
3: we don't need to play it. There's something riding on this no matter how you you slice it, right?
1: Yeah, and it's not not to, to jump to a subject from earlier that Tom was getting at. It was like that, I think, in and of itself, as poorly worded as it was and as maybe as in quote-unquote ins- insensitive as it was as soon as he, you know, as quick as it was to the draw, if you will, that is what skip bayless i think was getting at you know as it this game you in in regards to the story of the nfl season you can't not not play this game and it not matter you know like you can't just say oh we won't play it because it has a ripple effect throughout the entire seeding of the postseason and that matters like it or not that's the business of the nfl and, and that matters so I don't think you cannot not play it. Uh, those are two negatives, double negatives. Whether they use an English class, that's why I probably got D's in English, Tom.
0: Well, I, I know the feeling on the math side, but you're right. I mean, they're going to have to. They're going to have to get it figured out, and 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 I have no doubt, no doubt. Just knowing what little I know about um, the people involved in the NFL and. Um, You know, they they can get extremely corporate and you get into lawyers and you get into all this kind of things somebody brought up on the chat. I mean, you know, it could be one of those things where all of a sudden you start fooling around with, you know, the date, and you were supposed to have it on this, and what do you do about, um, you know, they're sitting around talking about things like, okay, well, if you play the regular season finale and you start thinking about, okay, we know the Bills are playing at 1 o'clock. The Bengals should play at 1 o'clock. They should not play at 425. They should play at one o'clock. TV ratings, be damned. Play at one o'clock. If you know you're going to make up the game the next week. And so you make up the game the next week, you play it on Sunday or on Saturday night, but probably Sunday during the day. You don't have to put it in prime time, none of that kind of thing. And then you guarantee that both the Bengals and the Bills, who you know are both going to be in the playoffs. You make sure both of them, when the wild card round starts the following week, because the wild card, you have uh, three games on Saturday and you have three games on Sunday. So that following week, and again, matchups, TV ratings, and and that's the way the NFL sets this stuff up. When you get in the playoff round, they want the big boys playing the 4.30 and the 8 o'clock game on Saturday and Sunday. You just tell everybody ahead of time your network partners and everything. This is a situation which nobody saw coming. So the Bengals and Bills would both play one o'clock games this Sunday. They would play the following Sunday in a regular season game to end the regular season, be the only game in town. And then they would be guaranteed not to play on Saturday the following week, the opening round of the postseason. Both teams would play Sunday. So they're not having to come back six days later. And you might say, well, wait a minute now. You know, what about the teams that would have played this Sunday and then they have to play next Saturday? Well, guess what? You don't have to worry about that anymore. And and you could set it up that way. And let's be honest about it. If they can do that, every other team that's going to the postseason in the NFL Now, some would have to wait theoretically to find out if they're in the playoffs depending on the outcome of that game, correct? Yeah. Okay, well, they could still practice, right? They'd be getting like a bye week off. All the teams that are out, excuse me, they just go home, right? It's over for them. Their seasons are over just like they would be after this Sunday. But everybody would come in healthier theoretically to the postseason than they would have if you fired it up. One week after the end of the regular season. Now the Bengals and the Bills—it's a unique situation, but they, they were going to have to play anyway.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Bengals and Bills are going to be in a unique spot That's right. for the postseason, That's no matter right. what. It doesn't matter what they end up doing here. It's not going to be a conventional postseason for either team. Which is just—it's it, just—it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it at this point. So, what is the least influential way to negatively infect in? Impact the Bengals and the Bills, and that's what you got to think about now.
0: Yep. So. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, somebody in the chat just pointed out that the um, it's rowdy um, every lap again points out Demar Hamlin's GoFundMe is now up to six point four million dollars. You know, it's an amazing story about this whole thing. Um, again, as an offspring. Of what happened here Monday night, and I was talking about it last night uh, with my family. Is it, is this whole Andy Dalton tie to Buffalo, and now coming back the other way? You know, I mean, we know Andy Dalton. You know, he was a hell of a player here for a long time. Took the team to the playoffs. As likable a guy as you could ever get, uh, things didn't work out in the playoffs like we all hoped it would, like he hoped it would. But it still never changed the person that he is. And remember when the Bengals you know, won that game at the end of the regular season, which allowed Buffalo to get in and all the people in Buffalo that poured all the money into Andy's charity here in town. And now all of a sudden, here we are years later, um, another link, tragically in this case, sadly in this case, a link Buffalo to Cincinnati. And now it comes back the other way where I read that Dalton has made a huge contribution to this GoFundMe.
3: Yeah, thousands. I don't see how much. Uh,
0: yeah, but... I don't think it was ever posted, but you know it was a lot. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think that it's – I was just trying to, yesterday, think if there was any scenario or anything I could think back on where two cities were so closely aligned to a situation where there's something that's been relatively reciprocal. And I, I, have, I have yet to come up with one, right? I mean, the, the coincidence that obviously of the, of the Andy Dalton situation and then now this situation seems – you know you know one in a million per se but it is it is something about life often that you know things always that you think are really really terrible on the front end sometimes are the biggest blessings you have in your life and i'm not suggesting that 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 this is any type of a good situation but you know maybe the optimism optimism in me is thinking that maybe this is going to be a huge blessing for the Hamlin family in the long run. And somehow he he's going to do incredible work through charity. And, and that's the only way that sometimes my brain will let me think about these situations because yep. it can become so morbid and so, so disgusting and sad. But, but, um, but the fact that he has 6.3 million or whatever that number was when just a couple of days ago, it had, you know, a goal of, I think, $2,500, yep. Yep. um, is, is remarkable in and of itself.
0: And you know, again, I get back to the whole thing without going on another tirade again, but it just goes to show you for the people that are saying, you know, my kid's never gonna play football. Okay, well, cool, no problem, no problem. DeMar Hamlin plays football. Good Lord willing, he'll play football again. Think of all of the children based on this situation whose lives are going to change because of this GoFundMe. I mean, it almost brings you to to tears thinking about how many kids, their life is going to be better because this young man played football. Regardless of what situation, he walks out of the hospital, he comes back to play football again. He comes back to the hospital and he's able to manage this charitable foundation. And that's what it's going to turn into, a big charitable foundation. There are going to be people from one end of the country to the other, if not points all over the world. They're going to be looking to regularly give money to this charitable foundation for this young man and what he's gone through and what he's going through. And the impact he is going to have on children's lives and families' lives is indescribable uh all right we got um box lunch coming up here paul are you shifting gears now
3: i am i'm gonna go take a seat over there with reed brandon's gonna come into this chair and we're gonna play musical chairs here to to get the box lunch going
0: okay want to thank everybody on the um, on the chat today and, and thank everybody while i was gone um and everybody here casey paul Brandon, Trace, Reed, Sean, Sean, everybody, everybody. Um, Did you have a good vacation? Time? Great, you know, great time. Weather was fantastic. Got to see good friends down there. Um, you'll find out one day, uh, and I'm the only one in this room that can can you know just has the experience, for lack of a better term. Th- this is one of those things where you you, you know you you're raising your kids and you've been blessed to go a lot of different places and see a lot of different things and do a lot of different things. But when you have one already at college and you have another one that's getting ready to leave the house, graduating from high school in about six months from now, five months from now, that that clock starts to tick and and you start to reflect on all of the different things you've done together as a family, whether it's right here at home in Cincinnati or when they were little and we were living in Arizona But now you start to think, you know, are you gonna be able to do this again next Christmas? Is anybody gonna be around next Christmas? Um, The the, the spring breaks that you used to do, they're not the same anymore because, you know, if, if, if two of them are at school or, you know, son's high school spring break is different than the daughter's college spring break, so you can't go together anymore, and then once they get out of college and they, you know, start working and moving forward in their careers, it's not like all of a sudden they walk into a brand new boss in a brand new job and hey, I want to go hang out with my mom and dad for spring break. Um, so to answer your question, it was fantastic. We were able to hang out a lot together, and it was um, it was un- uh, unbelievable. You got a nice tan. Got a good tan, big league tan. It's good. Big league tan, no doubt.
6: Absolutely weather was
0: warm down there wasn't weather it was warm you were just down there i was yeah but not as warm when you were there though right or was it you had a good week yeah
6: i, I came in you you meant first thing you mentioned when i came in inside like, look at this guy with a tan yeah,
0: you were looking good you were keyword were so, so i gave it back oh. well because now you that's good. now you look like uh, uh rowdy every lap says he was working at the waffle house during christmas break I just drove by that place here in Hamilton today and I thought I haven't stopped in there for a while. I got to get over there. I love Waffle House. You all know, like Waffle House? I love it. Southern Hibachi. What? Southern <laughs>
6: Hibachi. They make the food right in front of you on Southern the grill. <laughs> <laughs>
2: have
0: you ever been into a Bucky's?
2: Talkies. Tom. Tom. Tom.
6: When I came home from Florida, I stopped at all three Bucky's on the way home. All I got to
0: tell you, I, you know, I've had friends that have stopped at this place and now, like I am, like insane, wanting to go to one of these places. I think I'm going to have to drive There's down two to Texas. Hours. Yeah, where are they? There's one two hours from here in Richmond, Kentucky. They brought it up. Oh, north. so that's right off the highway on seventy-five. Right off the highway. All right. Well, then I'll be able to stop. I mean, I hear these places are unbelievable. If it's, you go, down, it's a Walmart gas station is the best way I can describe.
3: If it. you go down to I Texas, one of my ahead. best friends uh, was in. He was in. He's in the Air Force, and his training was in Texas. And he would have to drive all over the state just for. Little things here and there, and he would always text me, Paul,
6: Buckys Paul. It's incredible. Buc-ies.
3: It's incredible. And he would send me pictures from all these Bucky's all over the place in Texas. It's an unbelievable store.
6: 125 gas pumps. Yeah. At every
0: single one. Yeah. And a store the it, size of a Walmart. Right. I mean, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I can't wait to see it. And I'm going to have to do it because I got to get uh, our daughter's car down to Texas. So I'm going to have to jump in that car solo and go down there soon. So I'm glad to hear it's in Richmond, Kentucky.
2: Absolutely.
0: I hear they got big league food. We got good barbecue, beef jerky,
6: fudge, whatever you like, Tom, whatever you're into. I, I guarantee they got it. Okay.
0: All right. All right. Jolly Jolly, all the way from California. What the hell does he know about it? Says Bucky's <laughs> is an experience. They have Bucky's in California. I find it hard to believe they'd have no Bucky's way. in California. There are places in California that I could see you having a Bucky's, more inland. Sure. Right?
6: Absolutely. Well, Jolly Jolly said he's going to hook me up with, with uh, some. There's a famous root beer stand here in Hamilton that Jolly Jolly's family has owned for a long time. And he said he's going to hook me up with some Jolly's
0: root beer. Nice. So I'm, I'm fired, fired up about that. We've okay. we been
3: to Jolly's. You took me to Jolly's. I did. It
6: was a good time.
0: So you guys know Jolly Jolly? Know the family. Yeah. I don't know Jake or he's Jolly Jolly too. personally. He's a gr- great guy. Great. I mean, awesome guy. But Jolly Jolly says I traveled the world, Tom. I'm aware of that. But he travels with that highfalutin crowd, that number one football team on Fox. He's not hanging out at Bucky's. I don't know. Even being a be Hamilton surprised. guy, he ain't hanging out at Bucky's. Bucky's, you go to Bucky's. Are you kidding
6: me? You can't, you, get the, you can't get the Hamilton out of you. Once you're once you born here, grew up here, you can't get it <laughs> out of you, Tom. Okay. It's stuck in you. It lingers like a
3: scent. Tom, you go to Bucky's and you tell me George Clooney wouldn't want to spend a lot of time at a Bucky's. Why Well, no, I
0: mean, that's a small-town Kentucky guy, right? Northern Kentucky? No, you don't but that's that's not really northern Kentucky. That's getting what, out of northern Kentucky. I mean, that, 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 if anybody's I don't know what ever town been to Maysville, from. I think it's a town, right? Okay. You ever been to Maysville? I've never been to Maysville. Really no. cool, really cool, small little town, nice little main street. We used to go there uh, all the time on the Reds caravan. And when you go there, you just say to yourself, you can't believe this is where George Clooney is from. But, I mean, Nick Clooney lived over there. For those of us older enough to remember, Nick uh, was a legendary uh, news anchor here in town forever and then went to Los Angeles. Uh, But, yeah, it's a cool little place. Maybe he does like it. I don't know.
3: Now, I will say, and the Cincinnati kid makes a good point, Wawa is coming to the Cincinnati area in 2024. Do you guys know Wawa?
0: I know Wawa. Yeah, but it's not UDF.
3: It's not UDF. No, That's, it's not. But Wawa does have some very good uh, sandwiches. I'll tell you what, go in there, get a little pre made.
0: It's good. Nice. Jolly Jolly reminds me that he drank a pint with me when we were in London doing the NFL. A well, I mean, What'd what you the guys hell? Get? Big deal. He walked a block from his hotel and went and had a beer.
6: You like a good <laughs> London brown?
0: No. No.
6: Light beer, right?
0: But I'm okay with, with regular beers, not brown uh aj says maybe maysville is a, is a weird town it's not a weird town it's a small town it's an old town it's a cool town across the pond do they have american beer there i mean i'm just i've never been not a the chance pond.
6: i was gonna say do they have uh, there like
0: that? Uh, at least the joints we went into no i've been over there four or five times with the nfl and, and then one time an extended period of time back in the old uh um, World League of American Football, remember that thing? Mm-hmm. I was over there for six, seven weeks, and and, um, and uh,
6: Berlin Thunder and
0: I don't yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, Rhine Fire,
6: all, all right. that
0: kind of thing. Um, Jolly Jolly is L O L. That that's your generation, both of you, in a nutshell. L O L. Lots of love. Is that what it is? So, funny story about yeah. lots of
6: love. I don't know how funny it is. I was sixth grade, seventh grade. My buddy sent, shows me a text from his mom that says, Grandma died, LOL. Because she thought it meant lots of love.
2: Jeez.
6: Which is objectively a very funny thing yes, to get I'm from just. your mom. <laughs> Grandma died, LOL. Oh. Uh, wow. Tough. All right, tough.
0: boys. What Tom do we got Fx? here today? We, we got lots going on, right? Talk prayers, about the NFL. Prayers for DeMar Hamlin right out of the gate. Yeah. Right? Talking yep.
6: about the NFL and implications that if if the same thing that you guys kind of talked about, just going in a little little deeper and, and then what NFL games mean to the playoffs this week and go into a little bit of hardball and also sports betting is legal here in Ohio now, Tom. So I know we've, it. We've had, some, we've had some fun this week. We've been... And the Discord been talking about the live betting, which we've never been able to do before here. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we, we have a uh, Bet Fred Sportsbook, Absolutely. all the lines of, of the different sporting events that are coming up uh, a little bit later on tonight, including TCU. Have you dipped your toes? Basketball. The
3: bet? Basketball, Tom.
0: I was with a bunch of guys from Texas that are season ticket holders for the University of Texas. And they're not. They're not Texas football fans, which shocked me. They could care less about the football team. These two guys are just totally into the basketball team. You know, we're talking about the whole Chris Beard thing, which hasn't been resolved, right? No, not yet. And and so, and um, TCU is coming down there to play um, next week. TCU's ranked, whatever they are, 12, 14, something like that. What's that? They play
3: Baylor tonight.
0: Yeah, Baylor tonight, big game, big rivalry.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so –
0: yeah, but we're, we're, but, but we're thinking more about the horn Frogs in football right now. Do you share your – Football.
6: Do you share any Tar Heel basketball love with your dad?
0: I, well, you know, we used to when I was a kid. We we had no money, uh, none at all. And my dad was working in small little towns around North Carolina and then Virginia Beach. We were living there. and But we found a way to always go to a University of North Carolina basketball game every single year. So I was always a huge Tar Heel fan. I still am um, – because of the history of it Uh, as the years go by you get more separated from it i still root for him but you know you know some of the guys that i followed you know that are my or you know a little older than me not much older than me some of my favorite north carolina players most people think of people like michael jordan and you know james worthy and some of these guys my guys go back further than that and so you know you're getting separated from them now. They try to keep it all in the family, which is nice. You went from Dean. Roy was an assistant. Roy comes back, takes over after Bill Guthridge for a year. Now they got Hubert Davis. So they try to kind of keep it all in house, but uh, not as much. Not as much. Not as much.
6: So you have those memories, those fond memories of you going to UNC basketball games with your dad.
0: A well, whole family, yeah. Whole family? And I loved going, went to basketball camp down there when I was young. Uh, and it's a great place. And and, and look, our, our son has applied to go to college here. Whether or not he gets in, it's one of the hardest schools in the country. Out of state to get in, uh, nearly impossible. We'll see what happens on that deal. Uh, but um, it's a it's a great place. I mean, it, it really is a fantastic, fantastic place.
6: What, what I was going to ask you, and you you can answer this quickly because I know we got to get into our show, but you have those memories of you as a kid with your family going to these games. Now that you're a father, did you ever – do stuff with your son, who's in high school, and just like when he was younger, and be like, "Man, this is these are the
0: we're doing something that he's gonna remember. Oh yeah, remember forever. Oh, yeah. Like, these are the memories yeah. that
6: he's gonna make. We're sharing this as me and my dad shared previously.
0: Yeah, I mean, I jumped on the internet, got tickets to that Bengals playoff game against the Steelers, pouring down rain, awful night. You know, the game where they blew it at the end there. Yeah, the Fifteen. Night. Yeah, and, and and I mean, being down Dolmites. there with him that night was unbelievable. Really? Unbelievable. I mean, we, we, we said no matter what, we're not leaving. And there were people, they won't admit it, but there are a lot of them that are filing out of there because the rain was nonstop. It was cold, too. Nonstop. You know, we went to the Michigan-Ohio State football game this year. And so, yeah, oh, yeah. He's been, believe me, uh, he brought it up with me the other day because of my former job and former life. I mean, he got to do a lot of really cool things. So did our daughter, but him especially. I mean, he's got a whole phone full of pictures with – Matthew Stafford and Darius Slay and and you know, I mean all these guys and he'd come with me on a on a weekend trip when I'd do an NFL game and and we'd ask the coaches ahead of time, do you mind if a little kid kind of sits in the corner mm-hmm. just while we're doing these things? And every one of them were so gracious and they were awesome and, and then at the end he'd get a few pictures and so he's a lucky young man. Yes. Special. Hopefully your kids will get a chance to do the same when chatterbox turns into the next oh, yeah. Fox Absolutely. Sports.
1: Ah. Uh,
6: Yes, I, I, I don't yes know about
0: on the streaming level, streaming level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I have high hopes and aspirations for us. I really do, and I ha- I have something else that's kind of wild to share off air. And I know when I do this, the chat's always ripping me like, "Oh, you can't hold out this air." But there's, uh, do me a favor, Paul. You see that that camera behind you to your right? Yeah. You get that down in a second. Hold it. So it is wild that there is a chance for this thing to happen in the next few weeks. We'll see if it happens again. I don't know, but. It is wild that we're gonna go from I'm gonna pull it, she'll let Paul show you. We're gonna go from one camera. That camera that Paul's holding right there, this is laugh out loud, funny. This is this is this is like you wouldn't even believe it if someone told you. I like I like how Paul's trying to figure out how to hold it. He, he doesn't even know how to hold that thing.
2: <laughs> that but alone, we dude. went
1: from that single camera right there about three years ago to an opportunity to possibly broadcast games for I don't even want to speculate, but for a place that would be pretty incredible. I mean, to be the official partner of this place from where we were, um, maybe it isn't laugh out loud funny that we become Fox Sports. Now, again, that takes years and years and years and years. And we've tried to try to tell ourselves that uh, these guys will tell you. I get pretty impatient when it comes to trying to do things and trying to make things grow. Um, but I do sometimes laugh that three years ago we were in the position that we were, and now we're in a position where we can do some things that are quite, uh, quite ridiculous in the time frame we've done them. So you never know, Tom, you never know, you never know, you
0: never know, you never know. Just keep on going. Tomorrow we're thinking about you and your family. Gentlemen with that boxed lunch. Dial in. Here we go.
2: Heck yeah. Tom. Thanks. Thanks, Tom.